Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rapper Reynolds YouTube channel. If you missed the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. Good day, good, good day, good day, hello. <laughs> good evening, were you going to say good evening? Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hello, everyone. Um, we are late today. We're 14 minutes late because we, well, things got off to a rough start this morning in the Reynolds household. It's been a really great weekend. Had a rough start this morning, and um, which, you know, I, I think is worth mentioning because there is uh, something I talk about often um, this idea of a pain plan and a pain plan is this thing where you have a plan in place in case things go left when you were going right. And so with um, the school year being what it is, there's this really great line from um, Lord of the Rings that said something to the effect of like Bilbo Baggins was talking to Gandalf and he was saying that he felt thin. He felt thin like... Um, butter spread over too much bread and so when you get there you can feel a little thin and then you might snap a little easier get depressed or sad a little easier like it's not doesn't take much to kind of to to feel like you're you've been broken so what do we do in light of that we have to have what i refer to what my friends refer to as a pain plan and what that is is um an exact playbook about what's going to happen next. So we do this in our own classrooms, right? Like we do this in with um, kids that have 504s, kids that have IEPs. We do this with classroom management strategies, but we don't have kind of like life management strategies all the time. So what that looked like today was I was feeling funky this morning. Something happened. I won't go into it because it's, you know, the whole thing it involves other people feel a little funky. And so my first thing is I organize things, helps me clear my brain, helps me feel better about my space that I'm in, put some stuff away. Then I went and played video games because nothing makes you feel better than shooting imaginary people. And so then um, my wife was like, so another part of my pain plan is listening to my wife. And so uh, because she usually knows the right thing to do. So she said, why don't we go to the diner? So we went to the diner and it was delightful until our check like the lady just forgot about us. The waitress just completely forgot about us. And then we were sitting there until my wife said, kids go outside. Mom's got to go talk to somebody. Cause you're going to be late. And you we don't are. know what's going down. You don't want that to happen. Then we ran in the traffic on the way home. But look, the bottom line is we're here now. We are recalibrated. We are refueled and we are ready to go. So you are here at this thing called Sunday night teacher talk, which happens every single Sunday. We're on episode 178 of this thing. And that's just of this iteration. That's not even the one when I used to have guests. Um, however, speaking of guests, let's get into that later and talk, talk about that. Well, so you can talk about how we're... Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But I like that I didn't even say anything and you were like, yeah. Oh, I knew. I know. <laughs> we don't even have to talk anymore. We just read one another. We know what's going on. Creepy. Okay, keep going. I'm sending you a no, message stop, with my I'm sending you a message with my eyes. <laughs> so <laughs> what we're trying to do here is meet together as a community every Sunday to explore and express like what it means to be a great teacher, to to figure some stuff out. And and look, there's no question that's off the table. And it look, if you have something to give, show up in that comment section and help somebody out. Like go go give to someone and, and share your secret sauce too. Because remember, like what we might think is just ordinary or like our ideas aren't that important. You have to remember, I really, really believe that as educators and as people, that our ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. So share your uh, extraordinariness. I'm not sure that's a word, but I may have just invented it. So um, that's that. We have any questions yet? Because we're late. We don't. We don't have questions. You know why? Because we were late. Uh-huh. John Lopez said, this is not how it goes down, Reynolds. Um Oh, for John that. Lopez has a question. See, John Lopez, he said, I, but I got your back now anyway. <laughs> uh, John Lopez is asking, now that you've been back in a physical classroom for months, what educational grieving have you encountered? Um, tough question. I feel like your year hasn't been like a typical year. Although your year is difficult, I don't think it's for the same reason that it's, it is 
your year has been difficult for some of the same reasons that everybody else is struggling, but some not. I guess, I, at least I think. Yeah, you're right. Maybe more schools are suffering with bad leadership than we know. Well, I'd say this, Lopez. Two things come to mind. One, this idea of compassion fatigue. So, like, giving and giving and giving and giving, and then, like, you get worn out over time. That is so much higher because I think students haven't been in school that there's, like, so much more of a need. And we aren't, I've said this probably on the last handful of episodes, we aren't uh, really looking at things as, like, living through COVID is living through trauma. And so it's 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 helping to deal with our trauma. It's coping with our trauma. It's 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 navigating through it. Um, and ultimately healing from that. But when there's no room to heal, when there's no shelter from the storm, then that's really hard to do. And so that's that's been tough this year. And the other thing that I'm noting is like, I just was talking to my wife about this today because it's, it's the thing that makes me, um, like, it can make you not want to go to school sometimes is that largely my team is gone. So I had this team of individuals that I was really close with. I'm always talking about this idea. Jim Rohn has this great quote um, that says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so being around um, being around my people uh, was healing. It was, it was part of my pain plan. It was part of the idea of like, if things went wrong in class, like this is who I would go to and who I would talk to. But then, you know, all of my friends for the most, not all of my friends, but like, because they still have friends at school, but the people that were a part of that were, are largely gone, except for there's still like this one uh, woman left that I that was a part of that. But like, you know, the administration that was a part of that is gone. And now I don't feel supported ever. And I think that's the really hard thing in school is like when you don't have when teaching is indeed a communal activity, but you don't feel like you have a community there. <clears throat> um. 50% of our teachers have left this year. I know a ton of people that already have jobs lined up for next year or for later in the year that won't even last the year. Um, and so that's hard. It's hard to show up and do that. So I think that's part of the educational grieving process is like you, you, and, and you don't even have time really to grieve, but it's really, it's, it's grieving the loss of your friends, of your community, of those that people that like helped you to do the good work. Um, Cause no matter how good of a teacher you are, you can't do it by yourself. You have to have a team. You know, our pastor says, um, you don't go as far as your dream, you go as far as your team. And so, um, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. This morning, that's what popped into my head. I just want to shout out Melissa uh, Ellen. She said she um, she's letting you know that she passed her FTCE. <clears throat> she, she says it's proof of knowledge. Um, <clears throat> so that's exciting. Yeah, that's Congrats. awesome. Congratulations. Um, Love it. Okay, our next question... You, for, from... you forget like what it's like to feel like when you pass those mm. things. Like remember when I had to go take like my praxis and then you failed it. No, I passed the it. first one. The second one I failed because we were going to Puerto Rico that day, and so oh, is that what happened? Yeah, we were going to Puerto That's Rico for like two weeks or whatever, and I was so stoked, and it was like middle of February, it was yeah, freezing. Um, yeah, so you forget like how exciting that is because you're one step closer to your dream. So sorry, go ahead. All right, so our next question comes from Summer Hayward. She's asking, do you ever get frustrated with people who aren't in the arena with you, like people who aren't working towards growth, stagnant folks, and how do you snap at them? How do you not snap at them, especially when they pass judgment? So That's a great question. That is a really great question. Um, I'd say, Summer, I'd say, if I'm real honest with you, right, since this is a real rap with Reynolds and not real crap with Reynolds, um, it is I snap more anymore than I used to. Because again, I just feel, I feel thin a lot of times. And so it, you know, I, I have snapped, I will say this on every level of administration this year at some point, because sometimes the ideas are just so absurd or because sometimes like someone pushes back against your idea that's for kids or someone like I've had people like um, just walk into my room. Like I'm like mid lesson and someone will come in and start like dictating things to kids or telling them about their uniform or about, um, something that happened in another class. And like, we are, it's like, I said what it's literally feels like. I don't know if anyone remembers this movie. Um, there's probably a handful of you. There was a movie called house party with kid and play back in the nineties. And there was this great scene where they're at a party and Martin Lawrence is DJing. And as he's DJing and like the party's rocking and people are getting after it, 
one guy keeps bumping the table and then it makes the needle skip. And so that's what that school year can feel like sometimes is that like you are you're rock and rolling you got you know the party's moving you finally got everyone dancing and it's the vibes there and then someone comes in and bumps your table and so to me it's as much as possible just spending time around people that are good um it's i get i get an intuitive feeling when the complaint like so i'm i'm there to i complain to people um i share things with people i try and find ways to to care for things with people but that can only go so far um because i i just feel worn out by it uh but i have to listen to that intuitive voice of like i can tell i can feel it coming where it's like all right we're at the threshold we need to get out of this situation by any means necessary so that usually goes by okaying people sometimes i fake a phone call this happens all the time um if i see someone in the hallway that i don't want to talk to uh, I will go like this. Oh, I look at my phone like, hello, son, something important, something important is happening right now. Hold on. Hold, hold on one second, son. Hold on. And even if someone tries to talk to you, hold on, something important is happening right now. Um, and then I just walk away or I, or I will go like this. Hold on one second. I have to tell him something important. And I go over to a kid and I go, Hey, come here real quick. Um, something important. And so they go, why do you say that? I go, because if anyone asks you what I just said to you, you, all you have to say is what? And they go, something important? And I go, yes. And that's how I get out of things. I just I just get around it. Um, so that's, you know, and, and look, I have to remember this, that what people think about me, it might be right, but maybe it's not. Um, but I'd rather just not know. Like, I just don't care. Like when people go, oh, do you know what someone said about you? I don't care. Because if you're not going to come and tell me, then I just don't have the conversation with you. Now, look, I will say that in the past, one last thing, um, you know, the church I kind of came up in, in my early 20s to, you know, just a few years ago, uh, we had this idea, there was this conversation loop all the time that was like, if someone says, if you find out someone said something about you, or, or something's going on. It's all about having the difficult conversation. And the difficult conversation would always lead to healing. Now, what I didn't remember when that happened, so I still do this. I still think that your, you know, your success in life is largely predicated on your ability to have difficult conversations. But you have to be a part of a willing party sometimes, too. So one, sometimes I go and have the difficult conversation because, one, I think that people treat you the way you teach them to treat you. So if someone's talking ish, right, going to them and and just saying, hey, I'm curious, I heard this, um, or this is what's being talked about. So even if they deny it, even if they pass it off, even if they say it didn't happen, they now know you talk stuff on me, I'm gonna come talk back with I'm gonna have we're gonna have this conversation. Or if you find out so that that's one. And then the other thing is, is completing the loop. It's having the difficult conversation. Now, look, there are folks this year that I've also realized that, like, I don't want to have the difficult conversation with you because it's not going to go anywhere. Um, it in, in, if anything, it's just going to make me more aggravated. So it's figuring there. So there's no direct answer for this, but there are a number of ways in which you could go depending on the individual. But um, yeah, I also just think that folks are dealing with a lot this year and. So like your behavior, you you using me as an out to get like as a blame or like this is why things are or, you know, whatever, whatever your crap is, like, don't put that on me. And then I try my best to like stay away from that this year, um, unless I know that that loop is going to work. Um, all right. The next question comes from Steph Shook. She's asking debating working towards national board certification have to oh have to have three years employment i'm in year two for those who have done it is it worth it can i do it next school year or do i need to wait i feel like this is a question for the group um if anyone in here is has some thing to say to this to steph shook's question um what's national board certification? we don't we don't have so we have levels of certification in philly but it's not difficult like you basically just do professional development and then it like so you uh, almost for gets you, you there. you would say it was is doable like in yeah. school year but it, as long as that's the yeah so i'm not sure like 
especially with all that. I I, look, I think step one, I'll, I'll say this to your question. Um, the fact that you're asking this is really thoughtful um, because sometimes we just think that we can do stuff and then we sign up for too many things and then we're all of a sudden crushed and we go, why did I, why did I ever even do this? So it's really knowing your capacity and then it's knowing who to ask, right? Cause I have friends that are like full force, like, yeah, hell yeah, go for it, do everything you can all the time. And then that, but that's not always healthy for me. And then there's other folks that just don't, um, that are not helpful in that they're just like, they play it too safe or they don't do enough stuff. So it's really figuring out like who your people are and who you can ask so that you can figure that kind of thing out. Um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm curious what everyone's going to say that, but it's probably someone that knows you better than you know yourself sometimes. Um, all right. Our next question comes from kick in kicks. Uh, he's asking when are they are asking when's the next book coming out? I have an idea for about five other books. And so we were just talking about this this morning. I think right now, part of the difficulty is it's not just teaching all day. It's coming home so tired every day. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, it's not the teaching or, or like the educating or dealing with kids or even discipline issues for you. For you, it's dealing with like ethical and moral stuff that is happening within the school that you don't agree with. And it's also dealing with when you outgrow your administrators and you know how to lead versus someone else who's still learning how to lead. That's a difficult position, I think, for you to be in. Yeah, it is. And then coming home and then... And and an unwilling partner, right? I think yeah. that's the bigger thing is you're always willing to like work with someone, have the conversation and grow and learn and conversate like you're really good with that but when you have an uh, that unwilling partner when you talked about like yeah and that's what your admin has been like this year so i think that's yeah. extra difficult you know for you. I, so um i have so anyway i mean it's on the to-do list mm-hmm. to start writing but i have a number of ideas about books for specifically for first year teachers specifically for sel specifically for like is there like a book series that I could create where I'm not just having a chapter of a book on classroom management, but a book on classroom management. And it would be part of like a series of books for educators that are either new or just need to recalibrate how they're doing things in general. And then you'd be able to go back to that. Um, and it would be really specific and it would have activities in it and like, um, ways that you would actually walk through it. I think before that happens, what we're looking at is uh, a series of workshops also that are going to help us to flesh some of this stuff out. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, it'll get, it'll, it's, it's coming. I mean, it, I mean, ultimately it doesn't awesome. take that long. I mean, it didn't take me that long to write my book. Um, the editing process. All that it was the editing that was long and we did, we started upgrade ed at the same time. I was speaking every yeah. weekend at the same time. We were rocking out YouTube videos and like we, we had way <laughs> too many things. And so I think when you write a book, it has to be the thing that you're working on. Um, yeah. 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 So hopefully soon. Um, okay. Our next question comes from Sherry. Um, our library got shut down for this year because of mold and all books are being thrown out. What would be a cool idea to do with the space? Oh, that's a Hold on. First of all, can we just grieve the fact that all the books are being I hope it's not literally out? all of them. I hope the mold. The ones Man. that were just damaged. Are yeah, but you can't really. I know. How do you like clean books and all yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. How do you get find the mold and all that stuff? It's yeah. like, oh gosh, what a tragedy. Um... Cool idea to do with the space. I, you know, my friend, I have a friend named Autumn Zemecki that teaches up near Gettysburg. She's a principal now. I met her at ISTE a couple of years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, she's a principal now. Um, and she had this space that was the library, but they, they called it something else. It was like a technology something or other. And so she and I were talking about it and she saw a picture of my classroom and asked like what I would do with the space. And I just thought, you know, creating a real collaborative environment for students is kind of what I think libraries should be anyway. Like they are a place to like read and to get information and things of that nature. But like, could you have 
a maker space? Could you have areas where like kids could just chill and talk? Could you have spaces where kids are getting tutoring? Could you have spaces where kids are performing stuff that they are doing workshops that they are, um, you're having speakers come in and speak with kids. And it's like, this is where we do it. And we have this stage area and it looks really super cool. And like, um, could it look like, uh, like student projects are all over the place and kids are creating art. And, um, we are, it is like, it's the STEM system. Someone Yeah. Like you just have this big area where it's like, it is, it's not one thing. It's always transforming just like our lessons are just like our classrooms could be where you're creating a space for student engagement and excitement. And, um, whether it's game nights or meetings, it's like, this is the spot that we create to have all this cool kind of stuff happen. Yeah, John Lopez said, like, call it's the new fancy term is a media media center. Yeah, yeah. Lopez library. would have them learn calligraphy in there, which I think is a great idea. Oh, and she really did say all the books. Gosh. Did I, I hope you. I hope your school is funding to replace all of that. Yeah, or insurance or yeah. something like that. Um, Gosh. But 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 Just right like something. so. The the thing is, when you think about that, it's really that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But now to be able to reimagine this new space, yeah. so like Autumn, did, her library, into a positive remember they had like a robotic section. Yeah, the library was really cool. They was sick. They had like that shiplap wall, and they had like a. They did still have a library, and they had like it was just like it was, a huge it was like stuff, like cool things happening and being made, and like kids learning about cameras and recording. And there was a news section where they did the news for the school every morning, and um, it was just like this the best kind of commotion all even when i spoke there it was like kids were there was like robots freaking rolling by and stuff and things were happening all over it was just it was incredible so that could be really exciting I, that sounds awesome yeah i hope it turns that negative or into a positive yeah for sure, sure. um okay janet is asking i'm a student teacher at a high school i teach ninth graders i have a hard time feeling comfortable connecting with this age group I'm 26, and oddly, they make me feel super self-conscious. Of course they do, because they think they're cool, and they think you're probably old as hell, um, because you're 26, and like, oh my gosh, it's almost 30, so you're probably going to be dead soon. Um, (laughs) That's that's I feel like kids look at... They really do take it to that extreme. Even our own, they're like, no, Dad, you're going to be 50 in five years? Like you're. First of all, we just jumped five years, right? I was only 45 years ago. You know what I mean? Like you just made it just you just jumped me like to the next decade. But they keep doing that to you. They're like, you're going to be 50 and you're so old. No. So this and I mean, this was sad, but like yesterday, one of my favorite drummers of all time uh, died. (laughs) Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, who I've loved forever. And um, he was 50 and the kids asked me, they said. So I was showing them videos of him yesterday and um Brody goes, how old was he? And I go, he was 50. He goes, oh, yeah. Like, that was, like, that was, <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, you know, 50. Shh, I think sneaks up, life. takes you out. And it's like, no, man, no. So then he was looking up, like, the uh, average age. Oh, that's and great. then he was telling me how I'm halfway through. Bro, Dad, you're more than halfway through your life already. Shh, man. Years we better spend some time together because it's, you know, you're not going to be here. Anyway, um, so I think, you know, Janet... It is, I think the connection piece comes from not trying to be equals with kids, not trying to be more than or less than. And it's, I think the the self-conscious piece um, might be un- interesting to unpack with somebody and see like where that's coming from. Like, what is it that kids do? What is it that you, that makes you feel self-conscious? Um, I never try to be cool. I let kids know I don't give a crap what you think about me, right? Like, I just, like, I don't I don't care. Um, I, I love you. And if you have a problem with me, like, that's different. Or if you think I did something wrong or, like, you think I should change something, that's different because I want to grow and optimize as a human being. But um, if you just think, like, like... My guys all the time, they give me a hard time. I have sensory issues. So, like, I can't I can't wear tall socks. Like, they bother me. They, 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 like, make me uh, feel, like, gross. <laughs> like <that>. so, yeah. <laughs> so, I wear ankle socks all the time. And they can't stand it when they see I'm like, Reynolds. Really? Yeah. Oh, I get crap all the time. I never told you about this. Yeah. All the time. Reynolds, I swear to God, please, wear regular socks. Why? I can see your legs. 
And so then, of course, I pull my pant legs up and I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? Oh, does this bother you? Does this bother you? My leg hair? And so I just, it freaks them out. And so, um, you know, but I think the way to really connect with kids is to just find out what they're interested in and then ask them about it or try and find interest in, in similar things as well. It's it's being able to and willing to go into the student's world to learn about it, not to be cool, to be relevant. And so that is that's a huge switch, right? Because we're not trying to like do it so that kids will think we're awesome and like, oh, you play Fortnite also or like, oh, you listen to um, whatever new album came out or you're onto that TV show also or whatever. But it is trying to be relevant and every once in a while you're gonna have someone that says like oh you're just trying to be cool right i I have this happen all the time and it's like bro i haven't been cool since 1995 that's the last time i was cool so stop stop um i put up what i'm trying to do and this is where kids get stuck all the time is we catch them it's like a kid trap um i go what i'm trying to do is find out what you're interested in find out what you guys like and showing an interest in it because I want to use it for class or I want to show you that I think you are interesting or that I care about you. So why wouldn't I care about the stuff you care about? And that will stop every kid dead in their tracks. So that is um, that's kind of how I I approach that. And then, you know, the, the self-conscious piece, it's really just finding ways to feel more confident in yourself in general. Um, and I, I beat them to the punch most of the time. So, you know, it's also hard to feel like completely confident in yourself at 26. Like you're just like 26 is like looking back now being in my 40s, mid 40s. Like I look back and I'm like, no. And just knowing like a bit about neuroscience and development, like you're not really like 25 is the age to for like an adult. So like to feel unconfident still at 25 and 26 is really common. And I think it's okay. But I think it just gets exacerbated, especially around ninth grade. That's like the worst age, I feel like, when you're in your 20s or something. But even as a mom, right? Like I have a 14-year-old. He's almost 15. That's that age. It's the same age as your students. Like, gosh, I'm 43 and I feel inferior when two teenage girls come over my house and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine standing up in front because, of Because their lens of the world is often yes. so critical about everything, right? Yeah, it's tearing that, everyone so it down. Me, like, I'm uber, uber aware of that. So it, makes, yeah. it just makes it harder. But I just think like, don't beat yourself up, Janet, at 26 to feel like fully confident in, in yourself and your abilities. I just think that'll come. But what, that's what the thing that you should work on more so than anything else. Is that because yeah, that's what I'm biting my tongue about right now. Yeah, it is who do you have to become? So picture the person you want to be. Like have that very clear vision. How do they walk? How do they talk? How they lesson plan, how they handle problems, how they moving around their classroom, like what kind of like presence do they have? And then I sit with that stuff. I sit with it and I feel it. I imagine it. I smell it. I it is like I am immersed in that experience. And then when I can do that, um, it's just thinking like, what do I need to do to become the person I want to be? And then you just start implementing small shifts that lead to these large changes. And then the next thing you know, you are feeling more confident because you have become a person that like you've worked on the things that will make you more confident. Um, Especially outside of classroom. Yeah. That's when we should be working on yeah. all of But that's everything, right? That's yeah. like if you want your finances to be on point, if you want to grow a YouTube channel or a business, if you want to have a great class, if you want to have great connections with teachers and other folks in the community and your students, it is having a very clear vision of what you want that to look like and then doing the internal work. I think that there is not enough emphasis. There's a lot of emphasis put on pedagogy and not a lot of emphasis put on like the internal work that it takes to be a good teacher, to grow into a good teacher. Um, and, but also knowing that it's not, you're born with it or you're not right. It didn't just happen or it didn't. It wasn't by accident. It was hard work to build, to create this person that you are becoming. And so, yeah. All right. Our next question, um, is from Lara saying hi Reynolds and not so secret wife as the end of the school year winds down are you feeling at all anxious about your decision to leave your school oh my gosh were you in our uh, living room this yeah, morning as we talked about this so um so f- for people that don't know I- I'm gonna make a whole video about this about my decision to leave uh my school in general um 
and for a minute teaching um but but why so the the short of this is i'm leaving my school and i will talk about that to the extent at which i'm able to talk about it right because there are some unethical print practices happening there are things morally i i am uh I, I fight when i go to school every day but like there's other just some like other things that like i, I so what i don't want to do is like like talk crap on my school just to talk crap like or it wouldn't just be to talk crap but like anyway um I'm not into like just kind of crap talking. I, w I want to just explain my reasons for leaving. Anyway, that will be a video that will come up. Um, that being said, I have three months left. And so I feel like my next move is definitely into helping teachers. I just think that like, look, sometimes your time at a place comes up to an end. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm someone that goes by callings my whole life. Like when I moved to the neighborhood that I currently live in at the moment I drove into it I remember the intersection that I was at and I knew this is where I need to live this is where I'm I've been given to live both schools I've worked in I walked in and I thought this is it I just got the feeling immediately um the day that I decided I was going to marry my wife I, it just hit me I was sitting there reading a book and I thought damn I'm getting married For when I had decided to have kids this is a big this is a theme in my life of like having that sixth sense which is your intuition and then like just going with it leaving school has been this also right there's a part of me that's extremely excited um to be able to create workshops resources um opportunities for teachers to really really become the teachers they're called to be knowing that professional development is often lacking in schools and cr trying to create something for people like us right the crazy people like us that like just want to be the greatest despite everything else that's going on and so how do we do that for folks? I think it's putting full tilt into that. Now, look, I have a couple of options on the table where I could go work for some, um, well, I'm not going to say specifics, but like corporate gigs um, that would allow me to do this also, but like with someone else's financial backing and with health insurance and things of that nature. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the move is yet. I think, uh, so if it's just us working for ourselves, that is a little bit nerve wracking. I don't have, I wouldn't have health insurance anymore. Um, but I'll tell you this, my whole life, and let, let's go a little bit woo woo, just, I'm just gonna be really transparent. And like, even we if you don't get down with this, talking personal, yeah. that's, that's our life. Our lives since my early twenties or, or maybe a little bit before, um, have been about following Jesus with reckless abandon, right? And what that means for me is like when you're asked to like get out of the boat and walk in the water, like this, that's what you have to do. Like there's not like, ah, nah, let's wait till after the storm. Let's wait till, let's wait till like, I don't even really know how to swim. Um, so I don't know if walking on the water is like a good idea. It is when you feel the prompting, you go with it. So I'm trusting the prompting that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm moving in the right direction, and that I am um, against all the things that are telling that might be telling me not to. That makes sense, right? Health insurance makes sense. Not being there for my students, which I have plans about how I can do that. Also, it's like it's knocking these things down and really going with what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And when I can get really locked in on that, I don't get nervous. But um, there are other times when I do, I do get nervous about it. So. Yeah, I think because we just, we're not concrete. The only thing that's concrete is like, you just can't say it at that school. Anymore. I can't say it at my school anymore. Right, and so. So, I, and who knows? Look, maybe that changes and I end up teaching at another school next year, but, well, um, sure or in well, a different so. position, but there's zero chance I can stay where I am next year. Regardless of what happens, it's exciting, a little bit anxious, but I think mostly just exciting because there have been so many ideas and things that like you want to do for for real rap with Reynolds and and how to use the platform to help grow educators that you just haven't been able to because of the position that your school yeah. has been in for the last literally five years. And if it's and if it's and people just full time doing that, then bam, it is game on. Like, There's so we, much yeah, insane how much stuff like, we could get done. Um, but so we'll see. It's kind of really exciting. So you can keep us in good thoughts, good prayers, if you're a prayer please, person and vibes for what's what's to come for us. Um, okay, this doesn't have a question on it, but maybe you can speak Let's to it. Let's do it anyway, Jen. Uh, Shana, Shana, I think that is, that's how you say that. Yeah, Sorry. Shana. Um, 
just asking, I have been feeling guilty because I was asked to excuse a student's missing work for the first six weeks of the semester. I did because I am a new teacher and I, I feel bad for the student. Um, she says, there's another one in there. She said, I feel bad for the student because it doesn't benefit the student. I was asked by the administration to excuse the work. Sheena, part of me feels like you're using a fake name um, and pretending to be a part of my school right now. <laughs> or that's where you really are. But you're like, no, I live in West Virginia. It's definitely not your school in West Philadelphia. Um, look, I, I've had this happen a couple of times this year. And I think here here's the difference. I, I once had a kid... Um, that we call Bebop because he looked like uh, one of the, he looked like the rhinoceros. The kids used to tell him that he looked like the rhinoceros from the OG Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. Remember, there was like Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, one was a large like hog, and one was like a rhinoceros. Right, so the kids came up with this. It was hilarious. So he was a very very large dude, um, like big strong guy, um, that fell off his skateboard and went head first into a car. And I just was like, that car was annihilated, right? He probably destroyed it. Um, but he had, he, I think he had my class three times. He was in freshman English three times. And the first two were really tumultuous. The third one, we really started to connect um, and we had a really wonderful connection. Um, he was out for two months, came back to school, um, and we were supposed to give him all of his late work. And I just thought it, you had a concussion. You went through two months of like rehabilitation, and all this stuff. The last thing I'm going to do is give you a bunch of tiny words. Like we, we already, you, we finished a whole book, like while, while you were out now, you're going to come back and like what, read that novel and the novel we're on now and keep moving forward and do the makeup work for all your other classes. So I pulled him aside and I said, listen, you will not pass or fail the year based on this this last eight weeks um so like what i'm going to offer you is a gift and that is i'm going to just let all that work go i'm going to excuse you from all of it and then but what i need is a hundred percent commitment from now until the end of the year and not only did that help him out like in his in his with his grades but it also was like the the burden of coming back to school and having this mountain of work on top of your shoulders to to then carry that forward um, like it was like a 400-pound backpack was just like freeing for him. Now, I will say I got called into meetings and there were other teachers that were not happy that went to administration that found out about this because they gave all the work that they missed and they were like, oh no, we're not doing this. And that was a whole thing. But in that case, I just didn't, I, I felt like it was the right move. Now look, I've had students this year that are out all the time and there's zero transparency. We have no idea what is happening or what's going on or is, is it like, you know, because some kids are just out because they play mom uh, or they play dad and they, they get them to get let them off. Other kids have health issues and I don't need to know everyone's specifics, but it is, are we letting kids get away with stuff or are kids out so much that they're not, they think they can just do the work and catch up. School's more than the work. It's the experience. It's the being here. It's the, all the stuff we're doing. So to me, it becomes a conversation of why are we doing this and is it best for kids? If you run into a car with your head and you're out for two months, yep, it's the best move, I think, to just let that go. Because look, here, here's the bottom line, Shana, even if, even if you have to do this. It is that child does not, so even though adults in the building are looking at this probably from a legal standpoint or they just don't want to argue with parents or whatever, are you... It is what we're doing benefiting the child going forward? No kid is ever going to win in life because they just missed six works, weeks worth of work. And no kid's going to lose 100% in life just because they missed six weeks worth of work, right? It's like, it's just like not, it's a blip. So, but I think it's about having conversations with your administration to understand like, why are we doing this? And what is the benefit to the child in doing this? Um, and can it be done? Right. So if you're in if you're in a math class and over the last six weeks we were scaffolding and, and getting somewhere and now you're all the way down here, it's like, well, what the hell? How do we do this? Like, can we have some sort of remediation? Can this student get a one to one for a while? Can they make sure that they get tutoring or office hours or whatever it is? Um, and and schools sometimes have good models for that. I know my school's model is 
oh, you have a co-teacher. So what she's going to do, even though we're co-teaching, I'm not the lead teacher and she's not my support. We are co-teaching. Oh, but she's, she's extra in the classroom. So she's just going to sit with this one child and catch him up. It's the same thing they say about reading. If someone's reading, I was told to not worry about students' reading levels. They're not important. That's what I was told this year. Um, and so, yes, they're on a second grade reading level. But what we need you to do is maybe uh, your co-teacher could just sit with them every and like day. internally trying yeah. not to scream. Like yeah. sitting here it's or maddening. go on to a rant. And it's I'm maddening and it's, it's a, it, it, there's a thousand things wrong with that. But um, So I think it's about talking to your leadership, talking to your team and trying to figure out what's best for that kid. If it doesn't work out with the leadership, it's really about getting those teachers together that you care about those teachers on the team and figure out how are we going to help this kid to help them get to where he needs to get and then keeping that real and then moving on from there. Um, if you, ha- if they tell you have to excuse that work, look, I mean, when, when you're new, you can do it. I just don't do everything that I'm told all the time because I just don't think it benefits students. Um, and now the school has gone into my grade book and changed things themselves to which I go always go back in and leave a note and say, this was changed not by me, but my administration. Um, but like, I think it's uh, what's best for the kid. What are we doing for this child? How are we remediating them? How are we catching them up? How are we connecting them with resources and and things like office hours and and time and space to grow into this? Um, and then if something happened and you're out of school for six weeks, are we making sure that this kid's social emotional care is taking like not being in school and then being thrust back into everyone as friends and all the stuff has happened and people are moving and grooving and you just feel like an outsider and weird now. Are we making sure we have a plan in place for that too, for children? So I think there's multifacets or multiple things here that we could look at to, to really help a kid. But, um, that's where we go first. All right. Our next question comes from Felix says uh i start my wait wait can we just look at felix's profile picture and just we had a felix uh cat clock in my kitchen when i was a kid my mom Um, always wanted one i remember she bought one yep and the tail yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it was loud when you're sitting there by yourself (laughs) it was was weird it was weird all right um he's asking i start my student teaching um internship this fall and man am i nervous to have my own class were you nervous Yes. Uh, Actually, I really just walk around with an unbelievable amount of confidence. No, that's I'm lying. I do. I do now. But um, so when I started student teaching, I was lucky enough, Felix, to I. So in Jersey, we did something called my school, not even in just in Jersey, because other schools do it differently. We did two practicums my junior year of college. And so what that meant is you got like a handful of weeks or quarter or whatever it was um, that you spent in a school. And it was like one one day a week you would go. I really connected with the teacher that I was with. And I ended up going more than one day a week. I would just go to just be there. And then um, the second time I did it, or so first time I did it, I did it with someone. That's how I rolled. Second time I did it, I connected with that teacher too. And like went in again a lot of times and stuff. So when I student taught, that guy that I that I did my practicum with actually called my college and asked if I could student teach with him because uh, he knew that was the next thing that they were going to have him do. He only had one other student teacher ever. And so I got to go back to the same school, back to the same classroom. Now, I didn't know any of the students, and this was far more intense student teaching than a practicum was, which was like nothing was hanging out and observing. But um, I was nervous, but here's what I remembered. One, to can look, young people are often told speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to. So just speaking with young people, letting them know that you see them, letting you know that let know that they exist is huge. Just saying like, you know, um, what's up to someone every day or asking them about their clothing mm-hmm. or what they have on or their backpack or what book they're reading or what music they're listening to or anything and just being curious that makes someone feel seen and people love that. So now that you have become this person that they are, that they see all the time because you're just visible and you care, kids are going to gravitate towards that, right? We as human beings gravitate towards that, which we are the most familiar with, which is why when kids have a seat in the class and someone sits in your seat, you have a problem with it, which is why when someone sits in your spot at lunch, you have a problem with it Um, or on the bus or like we we're creatures of habit. So it is showing up and being present 
Um, and then really knowing that you just don't know very much at all about teaching, but that you want to learn. So ask tons of questions. Don't go into it like you know a whole bunch. It is going into it like you want to learn all the things and then figuring out what works for you. And look, learning things is learning things that you love and that are going to work for you and they're going to work for your class. And sometimes learning things are like, nope, never going to do that. That's a terrible idea. That doesn't fit my personality or who I am or, or the way that I want to teach or the person I dream of being. Um, it's, it's looking at both of those things. But uh, I'll say this, Felix, I really believe um, that there are kids that were born at the right time and in the right place that I was born in the right time in the right place and that our lives got closer and closer and closer together. And then when you meet this year, what in student teaching, you are going to meet some young people that will let you know undoubtedly that this is exactly where you're supposed to be and exactly when you were supposed to be there, that this, this is the reason you're there. So keep that in mind. And remember that the feeling of nervousness is the exact same feeling as excitement. That when you get on a roller coaster, am I nervous? Am I excited? Is it both? They feel exactly the same way. So it's really keeping that in mind that like, you know, sometimes when I get nervous about stuff, I just tell myself like, nope, that's excitement. I, I'm mistaking it for, for, for nervousness. And that's how I trick myself. But look, best of luck to you. If we can help you with anything, like as you get started, just show up on Sundays and just let us know or drop into the Facebook group if you're not already in there. Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk, and that's a really great place to connect with other people, even people that are student teaching right now too, that you all could like, you know, connect outside the group even and like um, really help one another through this. All right, our next question comes from Tracy. Uh, she's asking, I'm applying for admin jobs, but I'm struggling with the idea of going to the dark side. Any suggestions slash input? I feel like a traitor. Aww. Is that why you got your hair cut, Tracy? Did you get an administrative haircut? Because Tracy just cut her hair short. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, she went full short. Um, not, I mean, not like Reynolds short. Um, not like pixie, like neck. like a No, like neck. Chris Carson short. Yeah, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I didn't like stop and think of his like pictures. What hair does Chris Carson have? Um, Chris Carson has very he has a buzzed head, so that's why that joke worked. Um, Trace, I think look, I, I think that that's an easy one. Don't you kind of feel like there's, there's a a struggle for even you to decide like as unethical and unmoral and like awful as your school is. There's still like to make that decision to like or to not even go to teach at another school next year. That's really hard. Like that's that's not an easy decision because you it's get not. in it because you're all heart, general like most people. But I would say, so that's I think, I think that's how we trap ourselves mm, yeah. because we look at as teachers we go. But what about the kid? Everyone wants to know. But what about the kids? Moving to somewhere else. So even for me, right? This is the question I keep getting about leaving education or leaving my school. Not leaving education. Um, but what about the kids? Things suck for the kids now too. So what if so here's what I'm into, Trace, and maybe this will help. We are we are we have our own little farm, right? That's my classroom. My own little farm and I plant I plant these seeds and I take care of these little plants and like um, and we work in this kind of like unison community to kind of like keep this thing going. But what if we're out there planting seeds? What if you're just out there, like you're not tending to the produce anymore, but you're out there planting seeds, right? So I think as in the work that I want to do with educators, it is empowering and motivating and inspiring educators to then go to their own classrooms to then do great work there so my reach is far wider right the work that i've been given to do is to go far wider i think and i think when you work with administration it's the same thing right it's not just the handful of kids that are in your class how do i make the lives of the people in the school better so that the kids can have a better experience and i just think that that is that's huge. Now, look, I've seen people get chewed up by going to administration. I've seen people get like annihilated. But I'm going to say my man, Dave Dunn Savage, is uh, he, if you don't know Dave, you you He's should go in into the, the go in the Facebook group and introduce yourself to him. And anyone, Trace, this is a good move for you, too. 
Davis, salt of the earth, amazing human being. I just did a two-hour phone. I thought we were going to talk for 30 minutes recently. <laughs> we on the phone for like two hours because he just makes you just, he's just a great guy. And he's real. He's not just like an administrator that's know. just like handling it, right? He's like, he's living the struggle, but he's living through the struggle and he's yeah, growing he's with awesome. it. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I wish you could tell the story of like how you met Dave. It's so, so random. It's not from here. Oh, he's a total blessing to my mm-hmm. life. I met Dave. We both took our kids, separate Dude, groups. I was going to Costa Rica. Dave was going to England, I think, or Germany, which basically, I don't know, whatever. Um, Europe, uh, not England, um, with his students. So the tour company that we used set us on like a practice trip where all the teachers got to go to see how the trip ran. Um, and I'm sitting next to him on an airplane on our way to Rome and we just like hit it off. fell asleep on his shoulder. I did. I fell asleep. I got drank too much wine because I wanted to sleep through the flight. Uh, and Dave graded papers all night, which shows you the kind of guy that he is. I drank too much wine. Dave was grading too many papers. And I can't even believe he was. I woke up. I literally woke up. I was laying on Dave's shoulder and the guy next to me who I didn't know was laying on my shoulder. And we've been friends ever since. I don't know what happened to the other guy, but um, me and Dave have been friends ever since. And I, you know what also makes me think? We'll do a couple yeah, more questions because I'm going on a tangent here. But, um, yeah, oh, that's right. Cho is another great example of someone that went into administration and made real change. Cho is one of my best friends, best people I ever taught with. Um, here's a picture. You can see how excited she is about me all the time, right? That's Cho. So this is when I wear, every time I wear a sweater, I never wear sleeves underneath of it. I cut them all off because they get all bunched up. Um, and this is Cho. That's her face all the time. We called it getting chode when she looked at you like that. So um, Cho was an administrator and like really made a difference. She was really incredible and didn't compromise. No nonsense was just like pushed back against all the right things. And she's just... It and now is she's amazing. Going even further. She yeah. Just, then she left to go right to Harvard. Um, awesome. And when we get together, it's great because I talk about going to community college, and she talks about going to Harvard University. <laughs> so many similarities. Okay. Next question. Laura's asking: Any plan for a 2022 real rap community uh, meetup? It would be fun and uplifting to meet all of these talented teachers in person. Oh my gosh. I think it's fun. You, you know no idea especially if you're not teaching next year like all the time that we can put into like ideas and things that we've all the ideas that we've had for real rap adrenals that we don't actually get to execute on because like, yeah. it's just so busy like so where's knows? laura from i don't know laura where are you from because we live near a lot of people um yeah we're not far from like tracy i mean california's a little tough tough there's a lot of folks in California yeah too but like Maisha, is one of those people that I'm like, why haven't we met already? She's like, oh, I know. What two hours from us or That's something like that? She's right in Maryland. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's super close. Yeah, maybe, maybe Laura, are you? A yeah, coaster? let's think about this this summer. Coast, uh, we should write something yeah. down. Yeah. Write a note. I'll write a note. Um, summer meetup, maybe in like July or something like that. That would be fun. All right, our next question comes from Andrea over on Facebook. Um. Oh my, it cuts it off. I don't know. Let's see. It says, in one of my classes, which is a self-contained class setting, I have one student who consistently presents behaviors that impedes the learning of the other students in the classroom. In this class, there are approximately 10 students with varying emotion, mental, and cognitive disabilities. Most have academic deficits. I have found myself without support in the most restrictive environments for most of the school year. On Friday afternoon, I sent an email to the admin telling them that I am uh, Andrea Lynch arrested my thing. It's on okay, Facebook. On. Uh, it is. So I'm going to go over here. Uh, mm, Which is what how Andrea is. On Friday afternoon, I sent my, my email to the admin telling me that I'm concerned about appropriately meeting the unique needs of my students. This is not the first time that I have pushed for support. I realize we are understaffed, but I feel I am struggling to provide faith. Do you have any other advice on how to handle this diplomatically? Um. Oh, so first of all, Thank you for fighting oh, for your kids. I know. That's what I Andrea think. is the one last week that asked that question. Oh, is she? Yeah, and we got and we both got all heated about it and stuff. I know. Even you can this tell one, I like we have are to read like even when you're saying you're struggling to give them faith, I'm just like, oh my gosh, take a deep breath. No, I could go on. I, I really, literally just like federal like listen to Andrea's question, and I'm like, we are we are cut from the same like we are we're kindred souls here in some capacity. Um, I you know. 
this is so frustrating. I know exactly what you're talking about uh, in this, like, because I deal with a, a lot of these issues and have dealt with them for a long time. Um, I think part of it, there's, there's my ADD. My ADD is saying, oh, there's 90 birds in the backyard tweeting right now. So, oh, what's going on over there? Uh, squirrel. So, um, Andrew, I would, I think, there, look, some of the, let's go here, right? Let's just, let's just go here. I think one is how are other teachers, if they are dealing with this as well, is anyone else finding success? Sometimes the best way to get heard is by creating, is by finding the consensus of the group. Like what are the other grade level teachers dealing with? How are they seeing the student win or, or not in a class? Um, how are they seeing other students dealing with things when they're in a the class? Um, and really trying to create a space where like teachers are sharing. And then if you all kind of get together and you're seeing similar sorts of issues, then going to admin as a group um, or having a spokesperson go as a, as a spokesperson for your group, because then it's not just your class, right? This is a larger, bigger problem than we kind of like anticipated or that maybe anyone thought about. The other thing that I don't think gets enough attention most of the time is that when one kid is a problem, is it, is it a really large issue in a class because they are not getting what they need or their needs aren't being met or there's not enough attention for them, whatever, whatever it is, right? Like I'm not putting blame on a kid. I'm not saying a kid is just bad, but when, when a child, an individual child needs more, what we forget about often is that how that does, like you said, impede the learning of the other students that are in the class. It's not just that kid that we need to be concerned with, but it's their behavior is making this an unsafe learning environment, a less, uh, they're, they're taking away the ability for other folks to learn um, and to find success. And that's, that, that is a problem we run to in special education all the time. So I think the other thing is, is it possible to reach out to that family um, of the child that is creating sort of the chaos in class and, you know, I love asking, like, look, here's what I'm seeing in class. This is the sort of behavior that's being exhibited. And I know what the IEP says or the 504 or whatever. What do I need to know about your kid um, that might help in the situation? Right. So, like, do, do they like what kind of feedback do they need? What kind of attention do they need? What kind of classes but worked before? They, what did no it? A why behind why that child. Yeah, but like well, you don't want to ask. Already in a self-contained classroom yeah. setting. They already have, like, every child in there has a lot of the, all the, the issues, right? It's but here, like, here's the thing. You know that when Brody was in school, no one ever asked that question to us. And you know it could have made a hell of a difference. Yeah, but w that's what I'm saying. Um, like, because why is the child, like, whatever they're having, um, you have one who consistently presents behaviors that impedes learning. Right, it's like, what are those behaviors? And then I would take those behaviors to the parent and say, this is the behavior that I'm dealing with in class. How would you, how can we, what do you think that your child is needing? Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, discussing that particular behavior, because there's a root behind that. There's a reason, like, why that behavior is is being, yeah, that, why it's they're present. portraying yeah. that. Right. Um, and I think that, but the, even the another thing, have, or the caretaker will definitely have some input yeah. into that. Another thing that does is, you know, that when you see a teacher care, it just, it lets you know that you have a partner, It does, yeah. right? So like parents of, especially, I think, look, I'm going to make, this is a bit of a generalization, but like kids that have behavioral like issues or differences right um they those folks oftentimes beat themselves up because they're not enough because they did something wrong because they don't it's embarrassing to have all the phone calls but you what you usually get is the negative phone calls this is not a positive phone call but it's a it's a loving phone call it's showing what can i do to help your child and even if it doesn't work right that parent knows that they have someone that is really sure, trying it, to connect. Sure. And I think and that that, that helps. It does. The parent-teacher relationship and dynamic and all of that. But when you're lacking with supports on an administrative level, like she's in a, least, uh, a self-contained class, which is the most restrictive setting already. And it's I'm praying that she's not in there by herself in a, in a self-contained class with 10 kids. Yeah. Like in there by yourself and you have one that clearly needs probably, you know, 
you should have a co-teacher in there for sure. If not, he should have one teacher specifically for that. But I would say the other the other thing that I would do is I think about when um, when Yonk and I my I, I had a co-teacher uh, Miss Yonkers years ago, and she came in one year and we had this idea that like what if when these kids when our current ninth graders went on to tenth grade, what if we were their teachers again? And we didn't currently teach; we only taught ninth grade. Um, but the 10th grade teacher was gone. And so they were going to have someone come in new Then we weren't sure who that was. And we thought, well, what if we were the 10th grade teachers? And what if we created a program that we would implement that would like, so there would be no learning loss in the beginning of the year. There'd be no, like, we have to figure out who these kids are and how they learn and all this stuff. We would be able to rock and roll from day one, just like, it would be an incredible year we could set up, start thinking about this now and like who these kids are and like what trips we could take and who's going to come in and what kind of like, are, what kind of projects we're going to do because they really loved projects and what kind of like groups are they going to read in? Like all the stuff, like we already knew who we were teaching. It was this incredible opportunity. But then how do we get them to say yes? We got them to say yes by planning this all out at nauseum. Like we knew every, like we were already checked with parent, like, like, all right, we need to check with parents and we need this much money and we need these op- like these things in place. But like, here's the problem. So it was really then when we met with the school, it was here's the problem we see and we make the case for this is the issue that we see. Here's the solution. And we made it sound like we're going to just take this on. We're going to look, this is this is a completely like broken area. We want to help fix this problem. We want to be able to help these particular students find success. And, and if you don't do this, these kids are going to lose because of it. Right. So we created this scenario and it was true. I mean, we weren't making any of it up. It was like, this is really an issue every year. Um, these are kids that really found success with us. How can we make this grow so that in 10th grade year, this is going to happen. And then we figured out all the funding piece of all the stuff. No one had to do any work except for say, yes, go ahead and do it. And we even figured out a way that it wasn't going to cost money because we were going to raise money um, other ways to, to be able to fund this and stuff like that. So um, it was so easy for them to say yes. So I think sometimes when we're in these situations, it's trying to figure out to some degree what is the solution? How are we going to implement this? How are we going to do this? How is this not like it's like, hey, guys, I just saw that this is a problem. There's a whole pothole in the, in the, in the ground. All I need you to do is say, I can fix it. You don't have to give me the materials. You don't have to put cones up. You don't have to put signs up. No, I got all under control. Just let me do it. And then, so you're dreaming up this better way to do this and then going to administration and saying, there's a problem and here's how I'm going to fix it. And it's no big deal. Like I got under control and this is why, how we all win from me doing this. And that's, that's part of what I think of. That's such a nice answer. I like Chris Carson's. He's like, check into your legal and see if that's even all out, like 10 to one, like, or you could go to Chris Carson. The, See, the he's already got that administrator haircut and mindset right there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, that's an hour. Um, cool. Would you like to tell people what's up with our do podcast? Do, yeah. Okay. I put the picture in there. Do you want to put the phone in there? Mm. Beautiful. All right, gang. So our podcast is, um, if you go on anywhere podcasts are, my boy Jake, Jake the podcast guy who does the intro for my podcast now. Um. Oh, here's a weird picture because it's just in the Sorry. middle. I can just go like this. Hey, everybody. This is our podcast right here. Um, it's called Teacher Class Off Radio. And what we're going to try and do is we are going to start having guests on for tiny, like not tiny shows, but like we're not trying to do like hour long programs like not this. Like every Sunday week. Night Teacher Golf, right? No, this is a very specific topic that we're going to talk to people that are leaders in their in in the world of that. So. And and this is going to go. This it's going to be great. I mean, we're talking about talking to like um, people in finance about how teachers can like uh, afford to keep living. We're April, talking about April's financial literacy month. Yeah, April's financial literacy month, and we're going. We have someone coming in for that. We're talking to artists about creativity and how to like get creative. And so it's, it's beyond going beyond the classroom, bringing back all this good stuff that is going to help teachers to be the teachers that they are called to be. So that is starting next month. You're going to start seeing stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. So just to keep an eye on that. And then, look, yo, if anyone's around, um, I'm doing the uh, – here we are. I'm doing the teacher uh, – get your teach on. I almost said teacher class off conference. Again, they get your teach on 
conference this year. It's Hoping Week Kings conference that they do every year. Um, and there's a bunch of people that I'm stoked to meet in real life. Like I've known Shivy Brooks for a long time online. Uh, this is for high. They will have high school and special education at this particular one, which isn't something they normally have. That's cool. Um, so that's new. Yes. Um, and then I think really, I mean, he's my my publisher, so I don't say this just to like brown nose or something. But like Dave Burgess is enough of a reason to go to damn near anything. He gives. He's. The, I, the best speaker in education, I think. Pinter saw him with me. Um, he's unbelievable. Like, he's unlike anybody else and just crushes it. And he dresses like a pirate. And you get it afterwards. It's like he really dressed like a pirate. And he just was unbelievable. So, yeah. So, that's just a few things going on. And then um, as other things come up, I'll let everyone know, like, where I'll be and what's going on and stuff like that. Um, but, look, gang, it's Sunday. It's We're done. Go pull a full on Maisha and go take a nap after this. Go. Maisha's you know. trying to get you to do more work. She just said teacher class off conference is what you're going to create. Don't sleep on that, CJ. Oh. <laughs> She's putting more work on your plate. I know. I've thought about it to a large extent. Um, but who knows what this next year has. Look, and that's the thing, gang. You can get worried about this week or you can get excited about this week. You don't really know what it has in store for you, but just hope that it has something there's something coming that's good this week. That's what I have to hold on to every single week. Um, and then I just start looking for those things, right? And so it's moving into this this week with anticipation um, and with as much excitement as you can muster. And look, if the if you can't find anything else, just go to Target. And yesterday I bought these uh, stickers. Then they're pieces of food with like eyeballs on them. And then on the other side, you get these stickers that say it's like a hot dog. And it says, um, what's up, dog? Or a piece of toast with jam on it. And it says, that's my jam. They're, they're absurd. If I if there's nothing else to get excited about tomorrow in school, I will go in with that and I will have, have a great time. So um, that's it, gang. We will see you next week right here, uh, 1 p.m. on the dot this time, Eastern Standard Time. And bring a friend. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button because it helps hit us in the algorithm. Um, and if you're not subscribed already, you should go ahead and probably just hit that subscribe button so you can just follow us along every single time. And that's it, gang. We will see you next week. Peace.